Hello, and welcome to another segment of Let's Get It Straight. In our last segment, we talked about the rationale and importance of your designated officer being able to access your vaccine and childhood disease histories. That's a great lead-in to our topic for today, which is a current review of measles and what's going on. Our objectives for today's session, to review a history of measles, understand how measles is transmitted, discuss current outbreaks in the U.S. and worldwide, cite why outbreaks are occurring once again, list signs and symptoms of measles, review issues with preventative vaccine, and understand the complications that can be associated with measles. So let's talk about the history. We know measles is a respiratory disease, airborne transmission, and it's caused by a virus. It's actually considered one of the most contagious diseases today. Measles has been around for over 1,000 years, and millions of people worldwide contract measles each year and thousands die as a result of contracting this disease. It was in the ninth century that a Persian doctor published one of the first written accounts of measles as a disease. In 1963, measles vaccine was licensed in the United States and beginning then, measles vaccine administration programs were established across the country. Measles is clearly an airborne transmittable disease and spreads when infected people cough or sneeze. People can spread the measles virus four days before the rash appears and for four days after it appears. Measles as an illness is still common in many other countries. In fact, the World Health Organization is predicting that more than half the world could face serious measles outbreaks by the end of this year. Anyone not protected against measles is at risk for acquiring this disease. So it is often brought to the United States from other countries by unvaccinated travelers who get measles while they are in other countries and then bring it back with them. Measles can spread to other people who are not protected, which sometimes leads to outbreaks. This can occur in communities with unvaccinated people. And currently, we are experiencing outbreaks in several states. So I dated this slide uh, as of today, February 29th, 
of 2024 because this is changing rapidly. New states are being added every single day. So currently, these are the states as of today <laughs> that are reporting cases of measles. And we expect the case numbers to go up. As of February 29th, we are at 53 reported cases. So why are we having these outbreaks? Well, the first reason is the pandemic. COVID-19 disrupted many healthcare programs. Children were not being seen for routine checkups during lockdowns, for example, and missed receiving recommended immunizations. The other reason is the increase in vaccine hesitancy among parents. Anti-vaxxers have been growing in numbers based on misinformation. Measles is so contagious that if one person acquires it, up to 90% of people close to that individual who are not protected will also become infected. It's also quite fascinating and interesting and a little bit scary that the measles virus can hang in the air for at least two hours after an infected person leaves an area. So for example, to do contact follow-up, you may hear on the news, if you were shopping at such and such a store on February the 29th, between the hours of uh, 1 and 5 p.m., please contact the Public Health Department. That will tell you that they are following up on a case of measles. It is very important in today's world with the outbreaks growing every day that EMS personnel are attuned to looking for signs and symptoms of measles. It will present with a high fever and cough, a runny nose, red watery eyes, conjunctivitis, and the dead giveaway that you're dealing with measles is the presence of coplic spots, which are tiny white spots in the inside on the buccal mucosa and of course that fiery red rash. Three to five days after symptoms begin is when the rash will appear. A person's fever can spike as high as 104 degrees. After a few days, the fever subsides and the rash begins to fade. But what has been forgotten about childhood diseases in general, but especially with measles, is the complications that can result 
from acquiring this disease. You know, we had such success with prevention vaccine programs that for all these years, since we got the vaccine in the uh, mid to late 60s, everything seemed just fine. And people forgot what it was like before we had preventative vaccine. Common complications, ear infections and diarrhea. More severe complications, pneumonia, which occurs mostly in children, and encephalitis. Now there can be long-term complications, one known as subacute sclerosing panencephalitis, or SSPE and this can lead to death. So what is SSPE? It's a progressive neurological disorder occurring in children and young adults that affects their central nervous system. It's a slow and persistent viral infection related to measles that almost lays dormant for many years. Most children with SSPE have a history of measles infection at an early age, usually younger than two years of age. And that is followed by this latent period that can be up to six to eight years before the individual begins to present with neurological symptoms. It is currently estimated that one in every four individuals who contracts measles will be hospitalized. We talked about the common complications of ear infection and diarrhea, and the severe ones, pneumonia, mostly occurring in children, and encephalitis, which occurs in one in every 1,000 cases of measles. The long-term complication of SSPE um, can cause death in one of or two out of every 1,000 people with measles. You know, we can go back to the 10th century when a Persian physician stated that SSPE was more dreaded a disease than smallpox. It can be a ticking time bomb. We are fortunate to have prevention available through vaccination. We now have a combined vaccine, measles, mumps, and rubella. And this combined vaccine, after two doses, is 97% effective at protecting against acquiring the measles. So this vaccine not only protects you and uh, it also protects people who are unable to be vaccinated because they are too young to get the vaccine or they are 
immunocompromised. It is a live virus vaccine. The vaccine recommendations for children, they receive their first dose 12 to 15 months of age, and the second dose is given when they are four to six years old. Now an important reminder from the CDC, if you were vaccinated when vaccine first came out between 1963 and 1967, you may not be protected. This initial virus was made using a killed virus, and it has been determined that that vaccine was not protective for most people. It is really important that all healthcare workers have documentation of immunity to measles. So what constitutes documented immunity? Now, if you were born before 1957, you need some type of documentation that you uh, have in your medical record that you were given vaccine, for example, or that you were diagnosed as having a case of measles. Another way to document immunity is by a titer. But it's important to really be familiar with reading the CDC guidelines in their entirety. Because actually, you do not have to do titers if someone is unsure of their status. A very important document are the CDC guidelines on immunizations for healthcare workers. First of all, EMS is clearly listed in the definition of being a healthcare worker. That is on page two of this document. And then on page 16, it clearly states that serological screening, a titer, need not be done before vaccinating against measles, mumps, rubella, unless the facility considers it cost effective. So here we're going to do a balance. What is the cost of doing a titer? versus what is the cost of administering the vaccine. Just generally speaking, titers run about $200 or more. The vaccine costs roughly $70. So this truly is easy math. So if you were in the group that received your vaccine between 1963 and 1967, you should be revaccinated with two doses of live measles, mumps, rubella vaccine 
with the doses four weeks apart. This has been recommended actually since 2011. It is especially important to note for women of childbearing age uh, who are considering getting their measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. This is a live virus vaccine and you would need to be counseled not to become pregnant for four weeks after receiving each dose of the vaccine. So what about if you are not protected? How do we define an exposure? Now, this could occur simply by transport of a child that is uh, later diagnosed to have measles. If you are not protected, meaning you did not receive vaccine or you have no proof of having had measles uh, in the past, then we describe an exposure as spending greater than five minutes in the same room with someone diagnosed as having the measles. So if it is determined that you had an exposure to a patient with measles and you have no vaccination history and you have no history of having had the illness, then you can work for four days. But starting with day five until day 21, you have to go on work restriction, even if we administer vaccine following the exposure event. So day one through four, you can work, but day five through day 21, you cannot be at work because that is the time you could be coming down with signs and symptoms of measles. And that is the time you pose a risk for transmitting measles to another person. So your department will have to replace you from day five to day 21. So when we are looking at the cost of post-exposure follow-up, please remember that replacement costs need to be included. So replacement costs probably at time and a half versus if we have an unprotected individual and we know that and we vaccinate that person before an exposure occurs, it is far less costly to vaccinate upfront than to follow up post-exposure. So now with there being uh, clearly uh, outbreaks, cases of measles in what now, uh, how many states, <laughs> uh, 15 or more, we certainly need to give good consideration if we are not protected against measles. 
Remember, if you had measles as a child, you are protected, you have acquired immunity. But if you are not protected, really consider getting your preventative vaccine. Here you are not only protecting yourself, you're protecting coworkers, you're protecting the patients that you care for, and your family members. So get vaccinated and stop our current outbreaks of measles. This comes from the CDC. Even if you are planning traveling abroad, please check uh, vaccines that are recommended for your trip and one that will be under consideration since we're having outbreaks in all countries, pretty much. Uh, we need to uh, make sure that if we're not protected, we get our protection before we travel. Now I'm giving you a listing of some references that you can go to to get additional information um, on uh, measles as a disease and have that available for members of your department to review. We especially want to spend time with individuals who have not um, been previously vaccinated or have documentation of disease. If you have any additional questions or would like more information than the references I have provided, please feel free to contact me either by phone or email. Visit the website as well. Uh, and I hope you have received some useful information and that you will join us again for another episode of Let's Get It Straight.